I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Roland. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm John R. Bray. And I am Heather B. Armstrong. And today we're excited to have another guest with us. Um, And this guest, if you paid attention at all to children's television or pop culture in the late 90s or early 2000s, really needs no introduction. But joining us today is Steve Burns, or some of you might know him simply as Steve from Clues Clues. Hey, everybody. Hi, Steve. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? It wasn't just pop culture in the late 90s and early 2000s because my I didn't have a child until 2004 who wasn't old enough to watch television until 2007 and then my other child was born in 2009 so even in 2011 2012 Blue's Clues was a staple of my home that is such a mind-blowing idea that uh you know I know that that's true and I I hear anecdotal evidence of that all the time but it does that does not compute to me for me in my experience blues clues really feels like it happened around 1998 well you were living it yeah yeah so the concept that it has been multi-generational is just beyond me entirely but i understand that that's true you're very recognizable to those of us who have had children in the last Yes, like all the all of the moms and know exactly who you are. Well, you know exactly who I was. I mean, if I was in the room with you right now, you'd still be looking for me. You'd have no idea that I was there. I mean, I look I look much more like uh, Stocky Moby than I do like Steve from Blue's Clues. You do do, look like Moby. That is true. I do. I think it's I think it's if I think guys who kind of look like me once we start going bald, we just kind of eventually decide to do the Moby. It really feels like, uh, like a natural transition. Inevitability, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just waiting on the horizon for us. We don't really have a lot of options, but the problem with doing the Moby is eventually you realize I've been doing the Moby so long that I'm now doing the Paul Schaefer. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's a contingent of people out there who have no idea who that is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, and that's, that's maybe good. <laughs> Doing the Moby. I like that. <laughs> so, but today, you know, although, although Blue's Clues was fantastic and continues to be fantastic for, like you said, a whole different generation, we have you on for an entirely different reason today. Yes. Although still kid focused. Yeah. Right. You have an album coming out. That is right. Yeah. I've, I've made a, uh, I've made a, a record of music. With uh, one of my best friends in the world, Stephen Drozd, who is the uh, multi-instrumentalist and musical mastermind behind the Flaming Lips, who are one of my favorite bands in the world. Um, We're calling it uh, Everybody Music because we really did take our best shot at um, making music for all people 
at the same time, as opposed to really sort of uh, um, prioritizing uh, music that is just for adults and music that is just for children. We tried to make music for everybody at the same time. But that said, I would still call this a children's album. Why would you say so? Well, because uh, the impetus for it was uh, was that. we Nickelodeon asked me to write a song about groundhogs, which was very exciting uh, to me. And uh, and I said, well, of course I'll write a song about groundhogs. I've, I've been thinking about this my whole life. And, uh, and I was in the room with Stephen Drozd at the time. And, um, and I said, you want to help with this? And we wrote that song in about 10 minutes and it was about the most fun we've ever had. So while we were writing that song, we said we should do a whole album like this it would be so much fun to do so so the impetus really was to write a children's record and then as we were doing so we were kind of thinking like well what is kids music you know and and i was like well you know when i was a kid i loved the rocky soundtrack and the immigrant song you know is that kids music i don't know but and then there's like there's children's music that as an adult i still love like vince garaldi and stuff like that so we're we're kind of interested in music that is um, maybe either, but decidedly both. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. You don't have children of your own, do you? I don't. I'm not lucky enough to have those yet. We've done a whole episode on whether or not that to use the word lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, I really, you come to a point. Um, when when you have children and they reach a certain point where they start to have opinions about what they want to listen to, and that can go mm. really badly. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you if you haven't, and I was really studious about introducing them to stuff that we could both listen to because I, there's no fucking way that I'm going to listen to quote unquote children's music in the car. I, I would I would crash the car on right. purpose. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't listen to a whole lot of children's music, but there's some of it that I that I can definitely see where you're coming from. I mean, it seems to me that it's got to be about exposure, right? Like, it's got to be about what kids hear. I mean, kids love Nirvana, you know, but kids also do love songs about dinosaurs <laughs> and stuff, you know. It so it's 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 got to be kind of about uh, what they're exposed to at a certain point, you know. Um, if 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 kids never hear. The immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. They'll never know that it's awesome. So, you know? what what prompted Nickelodeon to ask you to write a song about groundhogs? Oh, I was always a musician. I, I kind of in the background, and uh, right around the time I was leaving Blues Clues, I was actually lucky enough to cut a record with uh, Stephen from the Flaming Lips and go on tour with them and, and do all that stuff. And um, so they knew that I was kind of a a, a musician anyway, and they just kind of asked. You know, they said, you know, we've got this show about groundhogs and you seem like the kind of person who might be able to write a song about a groundhog. And I said, in fact, I am. So I did. In <laughs> fact, I am. <laughs> and that album that you did, that was your first. Was that Songs for Dust Mites? It's my first and only. Yeah. I, okay. I, yeah. I mean, I just literally had an opportunity to work with the Flaming Lips producer and uh, just kind of as a lark. And uh, I went up and did that and met Steven. He was recording Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots at, at that time, working on some some tracks for that. And he and I became great friends within like 10 minutes. So so you met through the producer? And then he started playing on my record. Okay. Yeah. 
And then Steven started playing on my record and we just became tight. And then I met the lead singer guy and he asked me to go and tour with them. And it was really, truly a, uh, an, an outrageous dream come true for me because I was such a rabid fan of their band at that time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've always been a huge Lemming Loops fan. And, and especially right around then yeah, yeah the, the soft bulletin just completely rearranged my entire brain face oh, you know it was a, there's a few songs on that album especially that i've played with for my kids because it's it's almost sound it's not necessarily a, a kid sound but it's kid friendly and my kids love the soft bulletin i absolutely agree i mean certainly buggin is a is, is a children's song and and there's also something about Wayne and about his sincerity and his weird voice and his narrative style. I, I think there's a, a tremendously natural thread between the Flaming Lips, especially of that era, and children's music. You know? yeah. I don't know if you've heard it, uh, but the Wayne has like a, they, they, they have a kind of a B-side called The Big Old Bug. Have you ever heard that? I have not. I haven't either. You should, you, you should look it up. It's just, it is wonderful it's all it's it, it, your kids would love it it's fantastic well and it's interesting that you mentioned his narrative style because i think that was one of the things that pulled me in to this new album for everywhere is yeah. the narrative style within each track but then the, the narrative that extends from beginning to end of the entire album and i yeah. have to, i mean i didn't realize it until probably the very last track and then everything just came flooding together. And I went back to the beginning and listened to it all over again so that I could pay attention to that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's exactly what we wanted you to do. <laughs> there, there we go. It worked. I mean, we, I mean, I know I really wanted to take that uh, a whole lot further. Honestly, I wanted to make it a concept record, you know, kind of like Harry Nelson's the point or something like that. And so, and so did Steven, but the truth of the matter is, you know, he's in a big giant rock band and uh, we were doing this on weekends when he had time. You know what I mean? So we, we just kind of had to cobble it together when we could. So we we didn't really have time to, to go as far with that as we wanted to. But there are narrative elements all over the record. I mean, we definitely tried to take um, some of the stuff that you would normally find in uh, in children's literature or children's uh, entertainment uh, in general, like unicorns and rainbows and all that kind of stuff. That's almost cliche. And we wanted to take that and sort of elevate it into these more expressive and romantic places that, uh, you don't normally get in kids stuff, you know? And so we, we made this narrative of, a of sort of a, an obsolete unicorn who, uh, who is sort of looking back on his life and who, who, who remembers that he was in love with uh, a rainbow princess who absolutely kicked ass at guitar and how he lost her to cosmic forces and spent, and then he spends the rest of his life trying to recover that, you know, um, we kind of wanted that to be a little bit puff. The magic dragon meets Ziggy Stardust meets Rocky, <laughs> you know, and, and, and if we could have, and if we could have, we would have, we would have, uh, made every single song tie into that, um, more concretely but in my mind there is actually a narrative between every single song but we weren't able to really kind of to really hit it on the head the way we wanted to but you hit it in some way i mean it definitely comes through listening like i said it took me until the end to put every piece together but it definitely uh -huh. comes through well that's great man that, that really 
that's really great. Like that's, that's wonderful to hear because that's really what we were going for. So awesome. And so it's available on iTunes, right? Uh, it will be. Yeah. It, we're releasing it. Uh, we're still futzing with the actual release date because we're, uh, planning a little rock show around it, but it looks like it will def it will definitely be the sometime around the third week of February. Oh, not until then. Okay. Yeah. We're a little ahead of the game here. We are ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a little ahead of the game and it depends on when, when we decide to release this episode, I suppose. Right. But typically, typically we're a week out. So okay. Gotcha. We'll see. But they can, there is a track though online now, correct? A video. Yeah. 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 Okay. And that yeah, would we, be the first track, the unicorn and the it rainbow is, princess. It is the first, yeah, it's the first track, uh, the unicorn and princess rainbow. And that's sort of the expository introduction into the narrative that we just discussed about, the, about the, the obsolete lonely unicorn and his, and his rainbow princess love. Um, and yeah, there's a video online, uh, you know, I shot that in a day in Oklahoma City <laughs> using, uh, you know, using friends and friends, kids and all of the uh, kind of uh, outdated green screen technology I learned on Blue's Clues in the mid 90s. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works. Yeah. It you know, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's much, but uh, uh, I, I, I feel strongly and Heather, you might be able to, you guys probably tell me much better, but. I think if I was a seven-year-old kid, I would definitely expect music to be more than music. I would want a visual component. I'd want everything to be an app, frankly. So uh, yes, I I, I I feel strongly that you know a CD is not enough. Like we need there needs to be a, a higher level of engagement, you know, with children's entertainment, children's properties in general. Probably, uh, yeah. I think, I mean. My son agrees. He's 12, yeah. but he definitely agrees. Well, I think, I think especially at 12. Yeah. 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 Music, not, not to say the music isn't enough on its own, because of course I believe very strongly that it is. But I think that there are, it is, it is very normal for, um, entertainment to be malleable and to be, um, cross platform right now. It is absolutely the norm. And that's a great opportunity. You know, it's so much fun to make these little videos and to expand the world, you know? Well, especially on, I mean, my kids really don't watch television. They watch YouTube. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where they explore everything. I mean, they really, I mean, my, they used to, well, of course they know who you are mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because they used to watch television, but even in the last two or three years, it's completely changed. Yeah. And, my 12-year-old could not tell you a single person on Nickelodeon or any any kid channel, any kid-focused channel whatsoever. Good God. She knows, but she knows every <laughs> YouTube star. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> she knows, she knows, but they, I mean, that's, they, they go straight to their tablets and they get on YouTube. That's what they watch now. And yeah. what a what an incredible way to explore music that way with, through videos. Um, right. Well, see, but there, right there you go. So they're watching music, you know, they're, right. they're it's not a separate listening and watching uh, experience. It, it's the same. Like they're, they're watching content that they're hearing as well. Right. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's never that they're going to a YouTube page and they're just, 
seeing a title and listening to music. No. Right. We do listen to a lot of music in the car. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> we don't, we're not going to get into politics, but I have sworn off listening to the radio, period, um, in the car. And it's all basically playlists that I put together. And yeah. um, this is what you've put together here with this new album is definitely something that my kids will... Because with my kids are sometimes like, yeah, this is good, eh. Yeah, <laughs> mom, yeah. with some of my music. And then sometimes they're like, what is this song? This is amazing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's from some artist, you know, some indie artist out of, you know, New York that they've never heard of, but they love because the sound is so fun. Yeah, we we, we put a couple things on there that we made deliberately sort of difficult. Um, we did like a, I think it was originally a 14 minute version of the Itsy Bitsy Spider that we cut down. <laughs> and uh, And I wanted to take the lyrics off of it. Because I wanted it just to be an instrumental because um, kids know that narrative pretty well. <laughs> they know the story and they certainly know the melody and, and it is it is a really cool story. I mean, it is a story of someone who who tries really hard to do something and and then life beats him down, <laughs> you know, and then and then he he is reborn at the end. You know, it's very it's a very awesome little um pre-installed story that children that children already bring to story yeah that children already bring to the table and uh i kind of wanted to peter and the wolf that one you know what i mean and just sort of like use motif to tell that story or whatever we ended up putting lyrics on it but but we make that one sonically really weird like it gets very um noise rock at 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 Mm -hmm. the end of that one on purpose like and we were thinking when we were doing it how weird would it be to be 45 minutes into the trip to grandma's in the back of the minivan and you're hearing this song and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, <laughs> We just thought it would be a really, really fun thing to, to, to make challenging, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of take, I mean, that's a, that's a good example because it's such a familiar song for yeah. kids, but in a lot of the tracks on here, there's a lot of, a lot of the music itself kind of catches you off guard in a good way. Uh, good. That's great. I mean, for me, that's almost, you know, you said you were making music for everyone. Yeah. And that's what really pulled me in was the music itself because it's so, it's not what I would expect. Right. For, from an album that was music for everyone. Yeah. Okay. I guess. That's cool too. I mean, I, I, I think when, and it's something I'm kind of familiar with, you know, uh, in children's entertainment in general, um, if you look at, at the entire spectrum of, uh, of kids and their emotional life, uh, we, we generally only give them yay and aww. And that's basically, that, that's 90% of what we give them. You know, those are the emotions we speak to, to. For kids and the kids that I've met, I mean, I don't have children, but the kids that I've met have been pretty emotional human beings. You know, I've met some angry kids. I've met some sad kids. I've met some kids who are like really determined about things. I've met some really hopeful kids, you know, I mean, and I, I know that I still have music that I listen to when I want to cry. And that's very valuable to me. And I have music that I listen to when I want to go on a five mile run. 
And that's really valuable to me. I think the music serves us in lots of ways beyond yay and beyond awe. And uh, I don't see any reason why kids can't have the rest of their emotional world sung to. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? That's an awesome. Oh way yeah. To put it. It's yeah. interesting. It's interesting to me that you, because you went to New York, not ever expecting to be a part of a children's television show. Nope. And you you still don't have kids. No. And you're making music for kids. Yeah. And. You're, and even thinking about the possibility of like, what should we be giving kids? Like, what what interests you about kids? <laughs> I guess. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I, I you kind of hit it on the head. Like, I I've always been kind of an outlier in the, in the, in the world of children's entertainment. Like, I I I I didn't even know any children when I started Blues Clues. You know, I mean, I came to New York to be Dustin Hoffman. Basically, I wanted to be like a short, a short little dangerous actor. And, uh, and I stepped into this blues clues thing, which I thought was really freaky and really weird and really cool. And, um, I was miscast from day one and that's kind of why it worked. You know, I was always coming at this from, from a strange oblique place relative to what children's television usually was, you know? Um, and, and, yeah, I don't think you can do a show like Blue's Clues for seven years and not develop a point of view and not develop um, some opinions and not really care about uh, children's entertainment at the end of it. Did you have a, a hand in, in some of the programming? Well, I, I mean, I was a producer eventually, but, you know, really, really, I was an actor and they hired me to sort of make their curriculum as charming as possible. You know, and uh, I took that job very seriously. And in in doing what I considered my work as an actor on that show, what I kind of safeguarded was um, that connection to the camera and this idea that I was talking directly to one child at a time and that I wasn't talking down to them at all. I really meant everything that I was saying, you know, and and that if anything, I was kind of a little embarrassed that I that I wasn't better at finding clues with them in that, in that I, I sincerely needed their help. And there was, I tried to put as much sincerity forth as I could, um, while still keeping things fun. And I think that just thinking that way about children's entertainment for seven years, you know, how earnest can we be? How much can we really mean this stuff? You know, um, it just kind of, it just kind of built up a point of view for me about children's entertainment in general. You know. And so that has informed now this this the way that you're approaching this music for everyone. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I and I, and I think I think it 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 plays out in things like no, please do not turn down that guitar or make it less wicked. Allow the guitar to be face melting here. You know, there's no reason not to do that. Let's be sincerely face melting about the guitar. Let's be sad in this song, you know? Let's be sincerely sad in this song. Let's be, um, let's have all of that sort of, uh, quest and determination of a Rocky Balboa in the song if we can. Let, let's really go for these things, you know? And, um, and sure, we'll, we'll write a song about potty training as well. But, you know, let's, let's really, let's really go for the fine stuff, for the details, you know? And you don't soften anything, which is great. I mean, you mentioned that a lot of stuff tends to cater to the to the yay or the awe. Yeah. 
but I feel like most of it actually caters to the yay. So you don't even really get the sadness or you get this blip of sadness, but you should be happy. So let's elevate it again. And then everything is fantastic. Yeah. But you haven't done that. You haven't softened any of the emotions. I mean, the highs are highs and the lows are lows. Yeah. I mean, in, in, uh, the very last track of the, of, of the record, I mean, if you read that from a certain, um, depending on how you interpret that, it, it's, it's, it's pretty sad, you know, but it's also really, it's a really sad track, but it's yeah. also very happy. It's both, you know, I, I think I am such a big fan of the film inside out. I could not believe how well they did that. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know if you guys are too, but I just, that I, wow, what an amazing film. And, and the, the way they modeled the fact that actually most of your important memories are happy, sad, frustrated, mad, and confused at the same time, <laughs> you know, the, the way that, the way that they modeled that just blew my mind. And, um, you know, and I certainly think that the, the best music is way more than yay or awe at the same time, you know? So I, I think that last track is happy, sad. And I think that's good. Yes. That is not, a, I haven't seen them. I've been told I should see that movie, but. Oh my God. Let's, let's end this podcast so you can go see Inside <laughs> Out. I haven't seen it either. So what are you, what is wrong with both <laughs> because of you? Because we, we're both single, full-time single parents. We have no free time whatsoever. But this is a thing to do together. That's an everybody movie. Big time. Well, that, that was, so when did that come out? That came out. It's a couple years, isn't it? A year or two? Yeah, it was like two years ago. Almost. Okay. Well, no, about a year and a half ago, I guess. Yeah. But man, it's so good. It's so brilliant. It's so great. I've heard amazing things about it. And a lot of the amazing things I've heard have been from adults as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. They are just, yeah, they're the just list. killing it. Pixar is just killing it. They're killing it. Is that Pixar? I, like, I think it's yes, Pixar, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoever but I like this. Is, I like this. This whole exploration of like the spectrum of emotions. Um, I'm spe- I'm dealing with this quite a bit with my younger, uh, my seven year old who, she's got some severe separation issues that she's been mm-hmm. working through for the past few years, and um, and it oh. affects it, it can affect her temperament quite a bit when she yeah. gets frustrated, and it's it's about allowing her a space to experience have her emotion and uh, there's there's this a lot of parents who want you know you know stop throwing a fit or shut Uh up (laughs) not not using the word shut up but there's there's a movement of us who are like you know what we understand that you are having an emotion and your emotion is valid have your emotion as long as you're not you know causing harm to somebody else let's have the emotion and experience it and let's work through it and figure out how to come out of it and and what it means to have experienced that yeah you know i that sounds great to me mindfulness for children i don't see any reason why not to do that you know but i but also as a non-parent boy that sounds really hard (laughs) 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 it really does yeah when you trying to hold it together when your kid is having a really serious tantrum is is, that there's a there's got to be an olympics for that Um, (laughs) there should be it's a great idea uh or an american ninja warrior show that would be great yes (laughs) no one would make it to the end (laughs) just everyone's everyone's just defeated (laughs) 
and there's just screaming everywhere and fade yes, to black. It would be <laughs> chaos. Yes. <laughs> for, for anybody who's listening, who's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you've got the guy from Blue's Clues who's now working with the Flaming Lips. What? What yeah, is no, this? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it's so awesome. I, I mean, I have to be totally honest. So I'm, I'm 32. So when, when Blue's Clues started, I was old enough to make an effort to not care about it. Yeah. I got, you know, I was, I was too cool for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then when songs for dust mites came out, was that like 2002, 2003, three. Okay. So I was old enough to know the name, to know who you were. And you know, it was presented to me as, Hey, the blues clues guy has an album. Yeah. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll give it a listen. It's probably for kids. Yeah. That album was awesome. Oh my God. Thank you. Oh my God. It, awesome. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Oh my I God. Could, I could play Troposphere right now and know every lyric to it and ev- everything about that song. Wow. Really? Yes. Oh it was, God. that album was just great. I had a friend who went away to college and came back and brought it to me and he's like, you have to hear this. It's the guy from Blue's Clues. It's great. Oh my <laughs> God. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. It's so awesome, man. And Troposphere was the song that made all of that happen. I mean, I wrote that song and I played it for Dave Fridman, who was, who is the Flaming Lips producer. And, um, he confessed that he only listened to it because he wanted to make fun of it. And, uh, <laughs> and he called me and he's like, this is, you wrote this? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he's like, well, why don't we record it? And I went up there and Steven heard that one and was like, that is a good song, you know, can I put drums on it? And I was, you know, weeping. Such an amazing, like, yes, of course you can, Mr. Making My Dream Come True person. And, uh, yeah, so, wow, thank you. What a, what a lovely thing to say, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a couple stinkers on that record, but, you know, for my first try out, I thought it was pretty good. And I had a lot of no. w- wonderful help, obviously, you know. I uh, no, I thought it was great. And I I think it holds up. But then to hear when this when this album was announced, it's like kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. I mean it's music for everyone, but it's got the kids spin, so it's, you know, rooted in, in how you started. Yeah, for sure. But then yeah. your musical talent I mean it's it's awesome. Oh, thank you. It's just such a perfect combination. And it reminded me I don't remember when this originally aired. I went back and, and rewatched it, but you were on the Moth. Yes. You told a story on The Moth. Yeah. Maybe five or six years ago, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something just like that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I went back and, and rewatched it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a great story. It's a funny story. And But toward the end, you said something that I thought was really interesting in regards to this album and sort of that transition. And you said, I'm not sure what me is me. Am I Steve Burns? Am I Steve with the shirt? Who's me? Yeah. And you kind of questioned that. And I think the conclusion you ended up coming to is that you're both. Yeah. Whether you like it or want it, you're both. And that's actually pretty okay. And I, I kind of feel like that's you on this album is both. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I had, I hadn't really thought of that, but you're right. You know, um, and what a cool way to look at it. Thank you. I'm going to call you later whenever I'm like having a bad day and you're going to tell me how, how awesome my record was and how cool this new one is and how, and how it explains myself. (laughs) But no, it, uh, yeah, it is, it is, it is the best of, of both of those worlds. You know, it is me 
as a person who, 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 um, who feels strongly about music and it is me who is strongly informed by the fact that I was lucky enough to be on Blue's Clues for a hundred thousand years. I mean, back, back to Blue's Clues for just a second and I'll, I'll yeah. go ahead and compliment you as well. As annoying, <laughs> as annoying as it can be for a parent, but this is. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. About most children's programming, like Dora the Explorer. I, oh man, I wanted to curse that kid in that yeah. in, in that cartoon because you you watch it over and over and over again as a parent. But Blue's Clues is yeah. very effective, and both of my children like would were mesmerized by you. Like it's a you were very effective at what you were trying to do with children. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, you know, but it wasn't just me. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, Dora the Explorer and Blue's Clues are very much the same, are, are very much hatched from the same egg. Um, the, the interactive, Dora kind of picked up the interactive uh, mantle and did it without a, a uh, neurotic, frustrating host. And, uh, you know, and it was very effective in its way. You know, um, I don't think it had quite the human contact that, that Blue's Clues did. But, but I think the reason why, I think one of the reasons why Blue's Clues was so effective, as you say, was the research that it was based on was brilliant. I mean, it was based on like, why are kids watching so much TV? Why does TV hold their attention? And some of the things that they found was that it was about, um, I hope this doesn't get too wonky, but it was, it's a kind of about a fluctuation of dynamic levels. Like if something's really, really excited and loud and then really soft and then really excited and loud again, that, that fluctuation level really, uh, is arresting for children. And also if something is really big and then really small, like Grover moving near and far, like that, that really, uh, holds children's attention. And I, I read all this research and I was like, well, I can make a character out of that. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, those kind of, those kind of dynamics were always built in. And we also were not afraid of silence on Blue's Clues, which exactly. was, exactly. Which, which, I, silence, which I loved, I loved that about it. And as a parent who, it was sometimes very arresting. You're like, why is it so quiet? Yeah, <laughs> my, yeah. But, but it's very, it was, it worked with my children. And it was like, wait a minute, yeah. this is way, way too silent. And then, but my child would be standing there in front of the television completely mesmerized. Isn't that great? Yeah, I've, I've always thought, that was always my favorite part of Blue's Clues was the silence. I always feel like that the magic of the show was in the silence. Because literally it was. 
I mean, we what we were asking there was such a huge ask, and I personally didn't think it would ever work. We were asking the home viewer, your kid, to believe that I was asking them a question and to answer me sincerely with their best answer and then to believe that I heard them, you know, and, uh, and that happened in the silence. All of that, the, the viability of that relationship occurred in that silence. <laughs> I and, know, I think uh, there was one point where I was like, my kid actually thinks that he's listening to her. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. And that's something I talked about in the moth. I wasn't always super comfortable with that. I'm still not. That's strange. That's a strange thing. If, if I stop and think that, you know, how many millions of children thought I was talking to them in how many countries, you know, and, and what was I saying to them? You know, like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of a daunting reality to think about. So I choose not to. <laughs> For the most part. <laughs> well, but thinking, I mean, you know, we talked about the visual component of music and yeah. you know, obviously the visual component of blues clues and you've got the video for the unicorn and princess rainbow and you have, there's a second video, correct? Or there will be, uh, there's two more. Um, I directed two more. Okay. I directed another one and then, uh, my friend put together one. Okay. Well, and that was, it's, I guess plays into my question. You talk about how important the visual is, is the goal to have, a video for every track that that would be wonderful. I just don't know how achievable that is. Um, I, I, okay. I think that, uh, there's only so much time, you know, and, uh, I think that, I think the real goal is just to make sure that there's a strong enough visual element to the record, you know? And also I do want a lot of the music to stand alone, but, um, and it can just be music, you know, but, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think the goal is to have a music video for, for every song that just made me sweat thinking about that. <laughs> that, that. That's probably a no then. That is a no then. Yeah. That is not my goal. If you guys want to go shoot a bunch of music videos, that'd be great. In the spare time between seeing movies that we haven't seen. Yes. We'll <laughs> right. do that. Yeah. yeah. We'll see inside out first. Yeah. That's really, that really should be your homework. Yeah. Well, I know when I had, the the video on that was the first thing that I heard off of this and I was playing it. My son was in the other room and it, it brought him over to the, to my laptop. Oh yeah. The music pulled him in because yeah. he, I, I saw him kind of perk up and he said, is he singing about a unicorn? Yeah. I said, yeah, he is. Yeah. And he's kind of bobbing his head along and he came over and he's like, this is good. And his <laughs> musical interest is in every possible direction and he really got into it and watched the entire the entire video and it's cool. a it's a longer song like yeah. 4 or 5 minutes or so yeah and it, and it and it's not super easy it takes a minute to really kick in and you know it's kind of slow in the beginning and yeah that's great i'm glad so what is your music like as as a kid were you into music um yeah. did you play piano did you play guitar i didn't really pick up the guitar until i was about 10 but I was always very moved by music, always, always. I, I remember um, the first music that I loved was the soundtrack to Rocky. And I don't just mean the triumphant running up and down the stairs part. I mean, although I love that, I, I loved the uh, the uh, going the distance song where he's in the ring and it's all cellos. That thing, I loved that. And I loved the really sad music. Um 
from Rocky, like the really gentle piano motifs. I, as a little kid, I used to play that album all the time. I remember being very, very moved by it. And, um, uh, I loved music in general. Like my, my mom and dad were really kind of cool about always having music on. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's always been something that I've really enjoyed and that it's always just been really important to me. It's been my safe space has been listening to music forever. Did you like take formal lessons of uh, in guitar lessons? No, 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 no. I, no. you know, I, I, I am a very undisciplined person and, um, I love the guitar. I love the piano, but I'm just a hack. You know, I just hack away until something sounds right to me, but I'm very sloppy. I'm not much of a, I'm not a musician at all. And, um, you know, on my record that I made with Steven or with, uh, the kids record or the everybody record that we just made, you know, if I had an idea for a guitar part, he would take the guitar out of my hand immediately. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I play one, I play one instrument on for everywhere. And it's a, uh, it's an Omnichord. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's actually like, a, I think it's a Casio toy that they made in the eighties where you just <laughs> press buttons. And I did that and I did it wrong for three takes. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm playing a lot more on uh, songs for dust mites, you know, but, but I'm, yeah. I'm a poor musician for sure. Yeah. I asked that because my children are both in piano lessons and, it's important for me to have music be a part of their life. Like not only the music that I listen to, but the ability to read notes and, you know, mm. uh, nod their head along to the beat and, you mm. know, all of that and have an appreciation. It's, it's hugely important to me because like, like, like you, some of my earliest memories are of music. Although yeah. my parents, my parents were terrible, terrible teachers. <laughs> yeah. Like I grew up listening to the Bee Gees, Dan Fogelberg and Anne Murray. Hey, some of that early BG stuff is cool though. Oh yeah, it is good. It is <laughs> it actually is good. like Drozd is a big fan of the early BGs, and I was rolling my eyes till he played me some. It's cool. The early BGs are amazing. Yeah, that heart, those harmonies are insane. Like those, yes. those guys are those guys were cool, and then they use their power for evil. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and really, you know, some of those early songs. Um, which we listen to quite a bit. You, you'll have to, you, John. You'll have to go. I'll, I'll send you some links to some of the, the songs. Some of those early songs are really sad. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, loving that, yeah. like loving that sadness in the in the notes and in the voices and being like like because there I, there was some trauma in my in my childhood with like my parents' divorce. Yeah. And being able to have had that mirrored in some of the music that I was listening to was, was comforting. And how old were you when, uh, when you were being comforted by that music? I was 10. Yeah, sure. Right on. I mm -hmm. got you. I got you. Yeah. And, and why not write music for that? Right. You know what I mean? Why not do that? You know, that's, 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 that's where I'm coming from is, is, is kids are vastly emotional and we're not really writing for them. We're, we're, we're often trying to teach them facts or, or make them feel better about stuff. Well, why, why not write directly for their emotions? I don't know. Well, and it's interesting to watch what they pick to listen to. Uh -huh. I mean, obviously, it's what you expose them to. You know, and yeah. I, I try to expose my son to as much as I possibly can, but then also letting him choose what he puts on. I, I'm not really careful with censoring things. Mm -hmm. I just, what do you want to listen to? Yeah. 
just to see what it says to him. I mean, I a lot of the music that I listen to tends to be on the quieter side. Typically, I listen to The National a lot. Yeah. I've been listening to Donovan Woods out of Toronto. Yeah. And it's it's sad. And there's sometimes where I'll have that on, and he's totally into it. And other times, I get two tracks in. He's like, this is really sad. Can we change it? Like, okay, you're not in the same space I am. <laughs> I could see kids getting into The National, for sure. You know, um, with the kind of bizarre voice and, you know, what's the one? It takes an ocean. Terrible love. Like I can see kids. Terrible love is one of the best songs ever written. Yeah. And I got my, I got my child who was nine years old at the time. I got Lita into that song. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's highly repetitive, but it builds and builds and builds and builds. Like I, I can see that for sure. They're a great band, by the way. I mean. How that's the that's got to be the hardest thing in music is to to be like I am deliberately sad, <laughs> and I'm gonna and I'm gonna make you care like that. I, I guess Morrissey did it, and then the National did it, <laughs> and that's it. No one else is allowed to do it. Maybe the magnetic fields or something. Yeah, the National does it. It's like we are aging, and we're sad about it. These are my feelings. I have so many feelings, and these are all of them. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, that's a they're a great band. I love them. But do you think that I mean you you've mentioned Rocky a couple times. Yeah. How did you find that? I mean, is that something that your parents played that you picked up on? Did you pick up on their taste or how did that work? There was a record player that I could reach. And uh okay. I guess Rocky came out in what 76. So I was 3 years old. So I was not a fan of the film. You know, I had no way of seeing it, you know. I was a fan of 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 the um of the music long before I was a fan of the of the film. However, that film is by far my favorite film of all time. There's nothing even close, you know. Um, Have you seen that film, John? Rocky? Yes, I've seen Rocky. <laughs> I was going to hang up. Thank you for asking. Well, yes. So, so John's <laughs> ten years younger than we are, but Rocky is a huge, huge part of my childhood as well. Oh, really? Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Where are you from? Oh, yes. Oh, I'm from Tennessee. Oh, okay, I'm I'm from like right outside of Philadelphia. So, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful movie. It is. And it was a part of pop culture during our childhoods. And my yeah. sister had the hugest crush on Sylvester Stallone. And mm. so the soundtrack to, to all of the movies was in my home as well. Yeah. I mean, and growing up, I was a fan of like Rocky Three and Rocky Four, But I mean, looking back now, I mean, they're fun, but they're not. It's it's a whole different world yeah. I mean, the first film is a brilliant script and a brilliant film and it's incredibly well shot i mean if you look at it now it looks like a student film i mean they shot that with no money uh you know in a month off the yeah. back of a pickup truck it's just incredible that they did that and the story of how it got made how stallone actually made that film is very much like the film itself it's all just a it's just a great thing it's great that's i'm gonna i'm gonna go watch that this weekend in my free time. Yeah. No, watch Inside Out first. Well, do you think, though, that it was the music that brought you into, I mean, yes, the, it's, a, it's a great film, but do you think that it was the music, the soundtrack was kind of a gateway into that for you? Yeah, I do. And I was actually fortunate enough to go to a Director's Guild screening of uh, Rocky Balboa, which is, I guess, Rocky Six, And uh, Stallone was there and we got to do a Q&A and I got to ask him a question. Um, and uh, I said, you know, my favorite character of, in all of your films has always been the music. And, you know, what, what made you bring the music back in Rocky Six? And he applauded my question. And I melted. Wow. And I melted. 
<laughs> Thank you, Mr. Rocky, for liking my input. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, yeah, he, you know, he said, he said that was a real moment for him in, in the first film was uh, when he heard the music. He said, oh, my God, this might work. You know, he said it's because the music elevated the uh, the bum to a myth. The music mytho- mythologicalized, mythologized Rocky. Interesting. You know? Yeah, and it's true. You know, that's really that. That's where all the nobility kind of comes from. Where you, that that kind of puts him in like a mythological context is that that fanfare that you know that incredible music. And now you can hear you hear three notes of the you know the triumphant music where he's you know running around and you know. Yeah. And you hear that and you immediately think triumph. Yeah. 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 But see, but that's what's wonderful is he loses that fight. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it is triumphant, but it is not, that is not the triumph that you expect. You know, it is the triumph of, it's the nobility of that much effort. It's the nobility, it's the nobility of the try that makes that, uh, that makes that film. And that's what we were trying to do, you know, in a, in a much, in a much less awesome way with, with this concept of this, of this, um, unicorn that spends his entire life searching forever, everywhere, forever for this, for his love. You know what I mean? It was the idea of, of the never quitting, the never stopping. Yeah. Right. Well, it's a triumph without a victory. Sure. Sort of. Yes. I'd never considered that, the soundtrack it's been a long time since i've seen it but i i want to rewatch that too oh great movie it, it makes me curious yeah there's the scene that kills me i mean not to get too much about rocky but it's the scene where mickey comes to to ask him to be his trainer and basically begs him it's the most heartbreaking scene i named my dog burgess meredith <laughs> are you serious <laughs> yeah but we just we just call him mickey but i but but uh i named his his dog tag says burgess meredith <laughs> he's here with us right now. <laughs> it's true. Like I'm in my study and he's sitting in the original thinking chair right now. Oh, <laughs> in, in the original thinking chair. Yeah. The, from the very first season I have it here wow. in, in my little studio and he's sitting there right now. Well, actually now he just stepped out of it. But. So min- this is, this is crazy that your dog's named after the trainer in Rocky who's sitting in the original <laughs> thinking chair from Blue's Clues and you're about to release an album with someone from the Flaming Lips. Too much confluence. It's too weird. What's happening? Everything has come full circle and collided all in, all in that room that you're in. Indeed. The original thinking chair. Huh. Yeah, they gave it, they yeah. gave it to me on like my 25th birthday or something. I love it. It's actually a wonder. It's super comfortable. It always was. And, uh, it's, it's where I read books, you know, it's, it's, it's a really cool, I, I love that they gave me that thing. It's just a really awesome thing to have. Did you do your first full listen of the album while sitting in that chair? No, I did not. <laughs> Seems like a good place to do that. It is. I mean, it's, you know, it's in the room where my record player is. So it's where I listen to a lot of music and where I read books. It's crazy to think that it's still getting, still getting used yeah. for similar purposes this, this far after you left. Cause it's been, well, it's, this year is like the 20th anniversary of Blues Clues, isn't it? So weird. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense to me. But but, it, but an album for everyone is a really great way to kind of celebrate that. 
Uh, yeah, you know, we thought so. I mean, we we've been wor- we've been working on this album for years and years and years and years and years because uh, because of the way that we had to record it, which was just whenever we both had time at the same time, you know. And and Stephen's raising two kids and in in the Flaming Lips, you know, so he doesn't have a lot of time. And uh, and I was working, and you know, so it was like whenever we had a spare weekend, I would fly to Oklahoma City, you know. And so that's a very, very slow way to make an album for everybody. But, uh, I, I, but, but I like the way that it, it's coming out the year of the 20th anniversary of Blues Clues. I do think that's a really, really cool, um, full circle thing. And, and you mentioned the release date is still a little fluid because you're planning a performance. Yeah. We're going to do a show at Brooklyn Bowl here in, uh, Williamsburg. Um, it looks like it's going to be on the 26th. But uh, they haven't announced it yet. But it it looks like it's going to be on the twenty sixth. Yeah, and we have, yeah, and we have no idea what that's going to look like. None of these songs have ever been played live. They were never conceived to be played live. You know, they are studio songs, and there's only two of us in the band. And Stephen Drozd only has two arms. Even though I'd, I'd, <laughs> right. I'd love for him to be an actual mimic octopus, but you know. Uh, so we don't really know what that's going to look like, <laughs> but we'll, we'll do something, you know, I mean, it'll it'll be fun. You're going to have to play an instrument. That's what that means. I don't, I doubt he'll let me do that. And, 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 and if I do, it'll be very Neil Diamond, you know, it'll be very like, these are three chords that work for every song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have at it, buddy. <laughs> I want to play the Omni chord, but I'm not even good enough at that. So. That's going to be interesting. I'd I'd love to hear some of these live. I'm I'm trying to imagine how that would all come together because there's so much going on musically. Yeah, he, true. You know, I mean, the you know, it's it's certainly a, a problem that Stephen wrestles with professionally, which is making that much um, lush orchestration work live. I mean, the Flaming Lips have changed so much over the last three albums, but even up until um, At War with the Mystics, I guess, like it, it was still pretty lush and crazy, like. It, so he's been, he, he knows how to do it. If it can be done, he'll do well, it. It's, it's a great album. I mean, I was, I was excited to hear about it because like I said, I liked songs for dust mites, but then at the same time when I knew it was for everyone, which meant it was for kids, I thought, okay, this is probably going to lean closer to blues clues. And I'm not into that, but right after the first track, I'm like, no, I'm, this is good. I will listen to this straight through. So you you both achieved something with this. I think it's I think it's a fun album. It's just it's a fun listen, start to finish, and you're gonna want to listen to it more than once, whether your kids are around or not. I've actually probably listened to it more without my son. So <laughs> that's so cool. That's great. Thank you for agreeing to be on our show. Hey, no problem. It was a lot of fun. When the release date is finalized, we'll obviously let our listeners know as well. Okay. Um, and if there's a more firm date when this is ready to go live, um, let us know and we can make sure to include that as well, at least in the write-up so that people have it. We'll do. I'll, I'll make sure, um, I'll make sure that happens. And I get to be the, I get to be the cool mom today because my child's <laughs> going to come home from school and go, guess who I talked to today? <laughs> well, right. Please. And please, uh, when you speak to your friends, let them know that not only wasn't I dead, that I was alive and that I exhibited multiple, uh, evidences of life. Throughout, throughout the, throughout the interview, and that I actually, I'm actually, I feel really good today. Actually, so. 
we we didn't even get into that whole thing about you <laughs> you let with a mysterious leaving of blues clues what happened to steve <laughs> and it's so it's so not even mysterious i just did it for seven years on a blue screen and like and all the original people kind of left and it was just time to go you know i mean there's no there's no sexy answer to it <laughs> but but there were so many sexy answers that came out yeah as to why i know and a lot of them bummed me out but uh you know, I, 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 I do think that uh, I think there's something about um, kids TV show hosts. And I think there's something about something that that is so sort of um, deliberately pristine and pure is is extra fun to corrupt with. Uh, there's an extra bit of energy released in the corruption of that. You know, it, it's it's somehow perversely satisfying. I don't, do you remember Death to Smoochie, that movie? Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh man, the NPR took me to to go see that to review it, and I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, why is this the joke forever? But I mean, I I understand it and I get it, but uh, but yeah, a lot of those rumors were just kind of really made me sad. But uh, but none of them were true, so that's fine. And you've totally embraced it with your Twitter handle, exactly. Which yeah, I think yeah. Is great. The last one I heard is that I that I like wrecked a Dodge Charger or something. I saw that. And yeah. I was like, what? That that was the cruelest cut of all. Like I would never own a Charger. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> like that is not. I mean, that is that is just. I mean, I'm I'm not going to be too disparaging about Charger owners, but I am certainly not one of them. Come on. <laughs> That's worse than out, you out being of all a of the head. rumors. That was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, well, yes, like Heather said, thank you. This has been this has been great. Well, uh, yes. And uh, you guys need to go watch Inside Out. It's on my list. Yes. Yeah. And and any any one of our listeners that hasn't seen it, which honestly maybe everyone has, maybe we're the last two people in the world that haven't. It's very possible. They should they should watch it. Yeah. And I think Rocky probably deserves a rewatch from just about everyone. Yeah, yeah, the, the, those would be my recommendations. I would I would watch uh, Rocky Inside Out and then I would probably just sit somewhere and anticipate for everywhere i would just wait i yes. wouldn't do anything else until Foreverywhere comes out watch those two movies we'll watch and then the just video. sit there yes yeah. right and watch the unicorn and princess rainbow yes perfect just on on loop right that is that is everyone's homework until february Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.